So next week, uh, our keyboard player will be back, so I don't got to stand up there and look stupid like I'm going. <laughs> I feel so much more comfortable playing guitar than keyboard. So anyway, uh, how you guys doing? One week before the 4th of July, anybody buying fireworks, anybody do all that? Blow off your fingers, that kind of stuff? No? Okay, well, good for you. Uh, we are having a 4th of July barbecue, like Karen said. Uh, it is next Saturday on the 4th of July, since it's called the 4th of July barbecue. That's kind of weird how that works. Um, we would like you guys, if you are coming to maybe find somebody else in carpool, because we only have parking for about 30 cars. Like Karen said, we do need a lot of volunteers to help out. Uh, you don't have to volunteer all day. It's either like in the beginning or maybe a little bit in the middle or a little bit at the end. So there's a sign-up sheet, like I said, in the back. Sign up and just say, hey, I'd love to help do a couple little things at the barbecue. Now, we are going to provide uh, the main portion of the food. Uh, we were going to do hamburgers again, but Britt Stanley is going to barbecue. And he said, no, we're doing tri-tip. And I go, okay. You know, <laughs> oh, you're twisting my arm. Stop it. You know, <laughs> try tipping bread. Uh, we'll have some salad there this time as well. Where is? Huh? Yeah. Okay. See, we're gonna call you actually. <laughs> so have some salad there and stuff like that in case you're not a big meat eater. But you can eat salad and bread, and then run it off. Uh, we we have a uh, a softball. We're gonna have a softball game, but the field's a little small, so maybe we'll just do like a big kickball game. Wouldn't that be fun? You know. Like, oh, my hip or something. I don't know. It, it'll be great. Uh, anyway, so your job for this, your job is to bring uh, a side, whether it's chips or salad or cookies. <laughs> when in doubt, cookies are always good. And something to share to drink. You know, bring a two-liter bottle of something, you know, just bring it and we'll, we'll have some cups and some ice and stuff like that. So bring a side and then something to share. Any questions? No, okay, good. Now, I have another, I do have one more question about this. We're trying to figure out how much we're going to have to buy. So just cursory, who's planning to come? The rest of you, why not? No. Okay, that's good. Uh, that's just something for the, the back of my head. Uh, a couple things. Our softball team, it kind of seems like our, our, our co-ed team and our guys team switched because the guys team is just killing everybody and our co-ed team is like struggling because of our new league. But it's okay because when we lose, everybody else cheats. That's, that's how that works. <laughs> Uh, we have direction cards, sorry, I almost forgot, direction cards to where we're going to be next week for the 4th of July thing. So Mikey has those. Uh, if you swing by him, you can grab one on the way out, tells you how to get there and stuff, right? So just grab one of those from him. And next service, I'll put them outside and remember. Oh, they're, they're actually outside. There you go. Grab one on the, if they blow on the ground, pick one up as you're picking up your tri-tip sandwich out there in the corner. That'll be good. Uh, and then, oh, lastly, for the, I should read my notes. Uh, for the 4th of July thing also, we don't have any wood. So if you have wood, like, oak wood like in the back like you're going to those people that barbecues all the time and you have some wood let us know because we need a little bit to barbecue that's what Britt told me to say now i have the funniest thing i want to show you at least i think it's last night i'm just cracking up thinking about this we we have this event coming which we're going to tell you more about next week uh but part of the promo for it is we had like sean and james and christy and i we, we all kind of got slimed for this and so this is kind of what the sliming looks like a little bit this is james and i don't know why he's wearing the pedestache but he is um <laughs> Can you say that in church, by the way? Okay, anyway, so, so here it is. This is the... Show me the next one. Okay. So, so that's kind of getting slimed, right? Yeah. So after we do it all, we got a little bit of slime left in, in this big old bucket. And so, so Christy and her, and her daughter, Brooke, uh, are standing there. we next to Sean, see? And they're like, like doing one more, like, yeah, right? So I'm supposed to like take this bucket and hit them all. So I throw it at all of them, right? Look at, see, see, look at Sean. He looks so happy, right? <laughs> 
eyes wide open. Okay, and now here's the next one. He's like, as he's going, my eye, my eye. And he's like, so last night, I'm getting ready to go to bed. I'm just thinking about, go back one picture. I think it's a shot, and I am just cracking up all night long. So I'm like, i got to show that to you tomorrow morning because, wow. I mean, if you don't know, his eyes are actually wide open in the middle of that. And I don't know how I, like, snipered. But it's amazing. It's amazing. All right, there you go. Why don't you stand me for reading of God's Word? This is John 17, 13, and it says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Let's pray. Father, I do ask that we would be a people who understand the full measure of your joy, that we'd be a people who live and walk in that joy. And though in this world sometimes we have trouble, it is your joy that infuses us in such a way that continues us to live and show the world the grace and the goodness of who you are. Amen. Have a seat. If you are new, we are going through the Gospel of John. If you are not new, uh, we actually have seven weeks left. Woo! I know, I've been in it for like a, a year. So if you have a Bible, open to John chapter 16. We're going to be in verse 17. Where we're at, Jesus has just gotten done telling his disciples that he would be betrayed. And so he shows that he knows the future. He tells them how they should prepare and anticipate for his death that is coming. And so now there is a whole discussion that takes place within that. John chapter 16, verse 17 starts like this. Some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? And because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. So if you ever read the Bible and you're a little confused by some of the stuff Jesus says, it's okay because so were the disciples. They were confused just like you. Good for you. Verse 19, Jesus saw they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? A little freaky, right? You're having a conversation. Jesus is like somewhere else comes in. Were you guys talking about this? And you're like, that's just weird, but it's, it's pretty cool. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. And he says, you will grieve. Now, many times Jesus predicts his own death. And he says, when the world rejoices at his death, the disciples will mourn because it will be a sad thing. In the early pages of Acts, what you see is that the Greeks, the Jews, and the Romans all conspired to kill Jesus. It's kind of humorous in one way, but not in another, because the only thing in history that the Greeks, Romans, and the Jews agreed upon was that they wanted Jesus dead. The only thing. And they celebrated that. And as they celebrated, Jesus' disciples would experience grief. Now, you hear this a lot. Jesus died. Jesus died. Jesus died. We think about his death. We should take a moment and get a little bit of pause upon that because it was a moment of grief. When you hear that, you know, Jesus died, it makes you ask a pertinent question. Why did Jesus die? Why did God come in the flesh and experience murder at the hands of his own creation? The answer is because of our sin. And you hear this all the time. Jesus died for your sins. And it almost loses the meaning of what it is. You know, it should give us pause. It should give us grief because our sins were placed upon him. That means that we were complicit in the death of Christ. We, our sins, placed upon him. Now, the Spirit, two weeks ago, we saw that it's supposed to convict us and show us how deep and wicked our hearts are. And yet our culture wants to fight this constantly. And they say, no, 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 we're not that evil. Our hearts are not that dark. And if you tell us our hearts are dark, that gives us a very bad self-image. We can't have that. We must be a people who realize the depth of our sins so we realize the greatness of His love. 
We all are people who think that we know the right way to think and we know the right way everything should go and it has to be like this because we're all sinful. We think we all have it together. If you ever examine yourself and you get very discouraged examining yourself, good. That's good because it shows you can be honest with yourself. Most people are so bad they actually think they're good. And that's a problem. It's just evidence of our own self-deceit. We are bad beyond belief. Uh, the Calvinistic doctrine of total depravity, that's for optimists, I think, because we are very bad. The world is the way it is because we are just living out the fruit of who we are. Everybody thinks they're right. Everybody goes their own way. And it causes us to treat everybody else like garbage. And it is a terrible, terrible thing. And this leads to grief. And our world throws out words like, well, it's okay, just give it time. It'll get better. It'll all come together. No, it's all just going to get worse and worse, and worse. And so we and I must be people who go through that grief process. When we do something stupid and funky and sin, we should go through grief. We should feel the grief that is there. But on the other side of that, you can't just stay in your grief. You must move forward. Grief is not your abiding place. Grief is where you get kick-started to move on to the places that Jesus calls us to be. Verse 20, Jesus says, You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. The recognition of Christ's death and life leads us from grief into joy where the children of God experience happiness again. Verse 21, Jesus explains this. He says, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. So he uses this metaphor of childbirth. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child has been born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. So seeing our sin should bring some grief because we were complicit in the murder of Christ. Yet that should turn to joy. And he again, he uses the analogy of childbirth. And if you want to see an unhappy woman, you look at a woman in labor, okay? That is an unhappy woman. Carrie, you were in labor for how long? 24 hours. Labor. Anybody 24 hours? Anybody longer? How long? 25. You 25? How long? I mean, seriously. Did you get an epidural? Did you, did you get an epidural? Oh, yeah. yeah. See, praise God for the epidural, right? It's like, that, that's amazing. I, I, God bless that. I mean, men, men think that we're tough. Men, we are not tough. We think we're tough because we can eat a whole steak. Be like, oh, I ate a whole steak. I'm, I'm so manly. You know? A woman carries a baby, a person living inside of them. I heard a lady give birth to a 12-pounder. 12 Anybody 12 pounds? Anybody? No, seriously, 12 pounds, that, that's crazy. Forget the epidermal, like, give him a crack pipe and a fifth of Jack Daniels, because it's like, it's like this, this is crazy. I mean, I, seriously, I cannot imagine nothing more. It's like, if you're a dude, it'd be like pulling a bowling ball out of your ear, right? It's, it's, it, it's crazy. That's why we give them drugs. In the middle of birth, a woman is not happy. They, you know, godly women many times will say things that godly women normally will not say. You know, it, it just kind of comes out. You know, they should give dad drugs because it just it looks so painful. And when you hear guys say words like, oh, we're going to have a baby. No, she's having a baby. You're driving the car. You know, that's, that's how it works. A woman in labor, she doesn't have a whole lot of joy. But after the birth, then joy comes. She holds the baby. There is a deep and abiding joy that comes in that. And so we are to be people who think about his death and our sin. It should bring deep pain. But after that, he refers to his resurrection. When you focus on that, you find deep and abiding joy just like that. Death. Death equals grief. Resurrection equals joy. And God's people should learn to be happy that death is not the final word and sin is not the end and the grave is not the final stop because he is risen to conquer our enemies of Satan, sin, and death. 
That is what Jesus does. And it's why Jesus says, I'm going to die, but you will see me very shortly. And so Jesus talks about this assertion in verse 23. He says, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and I believe that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. So Jesus says, I will die. That is going to bring grief. I will rise. That brings joy and return to the Father. And that brings love. And we know that God loves us because of Christ's work on our behalf. And he tells us two things develop out of this work. The first one is prayer. Verse 23 again says, In that day, that means after the resurrection, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Grief to joy to love. We are invited to live in that love and become complete in the joy that God wants to give us. You know, so, so this is what happens. You know, Jesus tells us to pray for anything, anything we pray for. What's the condition? In my name, meaning according to my will. So we pray to the Father. He will answer. Jesus told us these prayers are prayers that glorify him because when God is most glorified, his people get joy. And that brings abiding fruit into our lives. And there's some really sick teaching out there in regarding to prayer. The most popular book to come out in prayer in like the last decade is this tiny little book. And it says, when you get to heaven, God's going to give you a box filled with all the things he wanted to give you, but he couldn't because you didn't ask. And that's sick. That is sick and stupid because it says God is prohibited from being nice to his kids unless they first beg him. That is stupid. Anyone in here ever get anything that you didn't pray for that was like a blessing to your life? Anybody? There you go. See, I mean, seriously, a couple things. Anybody pray that you'd actually wake up this morning? No. Anybody pray I make you laugh today? No. Dear God, please let them be funny because sometimes they're so long. You know? There, there are all these kindness and great gifts that God gives to you and I simply because he is a good God. Romans 8.26 actually says that sometimes we don't know what to ask for, but the Spirit does, so he brings those needs before the Father. It's wonderful. There are other times when we pray and God does not answer the prayers that we do ask for. Thank God. Aren't you glad that most of you didn't marry your high school sweetheart? The manipulative nut job that she was? Or he was? You know, or... Whoever that works. I mean, people are like, dear God, please. I mean, I will die. And today you're like, thank God. You know, it's like, got out of that. I mean, sometimes I struggle telling you uh, certain things because I don't want you to think prayer is the magic stick that whacks God's pinata as is touted today. But Jesus says we do need to make requests of God. We take those to the Father. He invites us to ask him anything. I will tell you, I have never had one of my prayers go unanswered by God. Ever. God answers prayers according to his will. And sometimes I prayed and sometimes God said no. And sometimes God said later or wait. And sometimes God has said yes. Sometimes I think maybe I shouldn't pray for this because it's so trivial. You know, but really in the grand scheme of who God is and how big he is, everything could actually be considered trivial. So we should pray about everything. I mean, I kind of inventoried this a little bit uh, in my head. Um, Last year when I was writing this message, I, I was praying about element, where we would be if we were going to be in this building or have to move somewhere else because we don't have any money, you know, and, and how are we going to move somewhere else and we can't afford to, to move anywhere and what we're going to do. And it's so funny, a- after this year and the economy like takes a, takes a dump, uh, the property manager, we're talking to him on the phone and he goes, you guys are not going to have to move in the foreseeable future at all because everything is stalled. And I'm like, great, God killed the economy for us. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, you know, my, my brother, my brother became a Christian a few years ago. I prayed for my brother 17 years, 17 years, and, then, and he actually believes. I got to baptize my brother last year. It was amazing. I have a friend. Her name is Brittany Schaefer. And a few years ago, she comes into my office, and she's like, you know, I, I can't hear God, and I, and I really want to. And, and so I said, tell you what, I'm going to pray for you. I prayed for Brittany Schaefer for two and a half years, every single day. And you know what? Things started to change in her life. She started to be able to hear God more. She met a great guy who loves her and thinks the world of her and loves God. And it's a beautiful thing because God is faithful. And God is good. God does not fail. He's usually much more gracious than my request. When we started at home, I'm like, dear God, please let like, you know, 40 people come so I'm not there alone, you know. And, and we're like five times that in a year. And God is gracious and he's good. We have to be people who trust him on these things. I know he has returned to the Father. I know his love. I know there's a reason for every prayer that he answers in the way that he does. I don't always get what I want. I get what he wants because he is so much better than me. So the first thing that comes out of this is prayer. The second thing that comes is understanding. Verse 29 says, Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. So up until now, Jesus has used parables. He's used figures of speech. So before he dies, he speaks very clearly. He says, Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. Now this is actually how rabbinical teachers would teach. They'd have people ask them questions. They would ask other people questions. So he goes, they go, you don't even have to have people ask you questions anymore. They said, this makes us believe that you came from God. And then Jesus says, you believe at last. Jesus answered. And we trust him. We believe him. We throw ourselves on his mercy. Everything begins to make a little bit more sense. He loves us. He comes and he completes us. He reveals himself to us. And then when we do that, we get to understand his plan a little bit more and how it accomplishes the Father's plan. And it starts in grief. It turns to joy. It ends in love. It causes us to continue to learn so that we can understand. And we are then invited to pray and ask him as a loving father for all of our needs. Isn't it amazing how that works? Yes. Okay, good. All right. So then Jesus encourages them now uh, with a little contrast. Verse 32 says, But a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered each to his own home. You will, you will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. So he makes this contrast. World trouble in him peace. You know, some people, you know, tell you that coming to Jesus makes everything all better. In one sense it does, but in another sense coming to Jesus makes everything so much harder. Everything just gets a little bit harder because now you can no longer lie and cheat your way through life. Now you can't separate your business from your personal life. Now you can't separate your spiritual life from everything else because everything goes together. Honesty causes trouble if you don't know that. In Scripture, it says that we used to be enemies of God and friends of the world, and no one bothers us, and now we're friends of God, and the world hates us. We talk about the world. Uh, three weeks ago, we, we mentioned this. That, you know, The world basically is think, uh, ourselves and our minds trying to exalt ourselves over who God is. The world gives you trouble, but in Him we have peace. He's like the eye of a storm when everything is swirling around, and so we don't lose heart. He says, uh, in this world you have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. My victory is true. It is finished. I mean, think about this. The pursuit of everybody in this world is joy, love, and peace. And Jesus says when you seek those things in this world outside of him, you will have trouble. And I know it's cliche and probably every preacher is talking about this. But as I was thinking about this, I'm thinking like, you know, Michael Jackson, the poor dude, he's, he's looking for these things totally outside of who Christ is. And he had trouble in, in the whole lot of it. Failed marriages, attempts to build a name of your own, your reputation. We have all done this. 
I mean, maybe some of you have actually been there, and that's why you're here today, because you realize, I can't do this on my own. Jesus says, in me you will have peace. He looks at his men and he says, I will die, but don't worry, I will rise. By trusting in me, you will know joy, peace, and love. My question for us comes down to, has Jesus accomplished his promise? Has what he has been doing in you to transform you into his child helped you to see the grief in your sin? Has he brought you to a place over joy of the forgiveness he has given you through his death and resurrection? Have you ever thought about his ascension? And that caused you to understand what the Father has done in His plan from the beginning. Has that caused you to pray and have peace? And then if you've done all that, has you then had trouble in the world? Because Jesus says when He died, He conquered our enemies of Satan, sin, and death. And I'll give you a brief primer on this. Sins. When He died, all of our shortcomings were placed upon Him. That's not a theological abstract. That practically means all the funky stuff that you and I have ever done and all the messes and errors that we've gotten ourselves into, Christ died and rose for those. Those are in the past. Grace is in your future. You can forget the past and move on with life. Paul says in Philippians 3.13, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I pray. Press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You are free. You are free. I uh, set us free from death, conquered enemies of death. In Romans 6.23 it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It means that we have all earned death because of our sins. But life is something that is given to us as a gift. Christ died, meaning he conquered our enemy of death. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 15, he says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Death does not hold the child of God. Eternal life does, like John likes to say. Jesus conquered sin and death and Satan. Yes, we have an enemy. The scripture says he accuses us before God. He seeks our demise and our death. So people say, well, I don't believe in Satan. Well, do you believe in lies and death? Colossians 2.15 says, Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus conquered Satan's sin and death, our enemies at the cross. Satan is not God's enemy. Satan is our enemy. All these stupid movies have influenced Christianity make people think that Satan is God's enemy. It leads to bad theology in churches. No one can stand up against God. Nobody. Satan is our enemy. So Jesus conquers him on our behalf. And Jesus says, Take heart. I have overcome the world. You can have joy, you can pray, you can have understanding more and more and be able to figure out and maybe get a little more grasp on what God's plan has been from the very start. For you and I, you, know, you have to ask yourself, what has Christ done? What are the troubles that he has actually guided you through? You know, Whether you knew it or not, on the other side you see it. What sins have you been able to walk away from in your life? You know, what is the peace that he has restored to you? You know, where is the joy that he brought in the prayers that he has answered? Because God is always faithful. And again, I kind of thought about this. Uh, you know, and the very first thing that comes to my mind when I think how faithful God is, is I found a great wife. You know, my, my wife is great. Uh, you know, a woman I adore. Any guys, you know, you're married, woman you adore? You should all raise your hand, especially. <laughs> yeah, be like, yes. Yeah. You know, it's experiencing God's kindness. You know, joy, yes, peace, yes, love. Yes, you know, peace, like I say, mostly, you know, all, all the time. It's, and even if, you're, even if you're not married, you know, God has given you friends and, and mentors and, and people in your life. He is faithful to you and I. Uh, I think God is faithful because the Father sought us and brought us back as His children. When we have wandered, we've gotten lost, we've gotten stuck. Second, 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, He will remain faithful. In John 10.28, Jesus says, No one can take you out of my hand. 
He sought us and loved us and brought us back. God pursues His children. God is faithful. He provides provision for us. Give us this day our daily bread. The God who creates everything cares about our lunch. That is amazing. God cares about the details of His children's lives just like parents do for their kids. Every time you eat, God's grace. That's why we say thank you, because God is good. We don't make harvest come. We don't make seasons come. Everything, even the work of our hands, gift of God's grace. He is faithful. Uh, I actually wrote down children and babies, but also spiritually uh, and physically, both of those. Your kids say the most bizarre things. I was walking around here, and one of these little kids uh, were talking. They said, we should pray to Jesus because he can do anything. It's like, yes, <laughs> that's, that, that's amazing. Kids have the capacity to teach us some very simple truths. Joy, peace, love, they instinctively understand the gospel. It's amazing. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody come to know Jesus. They believe in Jesus for the first time. It's amazing because they have this childlike faith. Like I said, you know, last year I got to baptize my brother. I'm wearing sunglasses when I do it because I'm bawling. I don't want people to see me cry like a girl. Like, ah, I love you. You know, it's, it, it's amazing. It's amazing what God does because he is so good. Now, I, I get to sit in a seat where I am at because I talk to a lot of you guys, and I get to know people's stories and how God actually is very faithful, even in the midst of trouble. I get to see God provide for his kids. I've seen some marriages become restored. I've seen some broken people mended. So, you know, God takes care of his kids. I, I'll tell you this. I have learned more about the gospel of Jesus Christ by being a husband than anything else. Because being a husband, if you want to be a good, you got to learn how to die to your ways. You've got to learn how to die to your pride and treat that person like they're more special than anything. I'll, I'll give you a little story um, about God's faithfulness and, and trusting him. About two years ago now, uh, maybe three, m- my wife had a miscarriage. And uh, we've been trying to have kids for like eight, nine, ten years at this point. And don't tell me how to do it. I know how to do it, Okay. <laughs> Don't need your help. I'm good with that. But we wanted a baby. And so, you know, we've been praying for a while and praying and praying. And my wife was going to the doctor. You know, she, there's some issues. And so she's going to different doctors, finding out, you know, when she's ovulating and all that and all that stuff. And so on this particular day, uh, she went to their doctor's appointment. I had a lunch appointment. So I was meeting with like three people. And I get a call in the middle of this lunch appointment. And it's my wife. And she's, on, and she's crying. And I'm like, oh, no, what's going on? And she goes, I'm pregnant. And I go, Blah, you know, because <laughs> I'm just—it's like I'm so excited, and, I'm free, and, I don't, and, I, and my mind just goes boom. I can't—I I actually had to get driven to where she was because I, I couldn't think. Because I was like, I was so excited, I was scared. I, it was—it was the most amazing thing. And so, you know, uh, a couple days go by, and I'm speaking that Sunday morning on the fatherhood of God, and and we wake up, and I don't mean to be gross or anything, but we wake up that morning, and uh, there's blood in the bed because she had a miscarriage. Wow, and it's very sad. And I and I'm sitting there, and I'm kind of you know wondering why, because I was very excited to meet this child. I remember how she felt. I remember how I felt. I was like, you know, what, what's kind of going on with this? And I started to think about how I'll get to meet this child one day. I will get to see this child. It'll it'll all be okay. And I, and so I wait with love and hope and joy and understanding and understanding. Because I know that even when things work different than I think, God is faithful. He is always faithful. Personally, I do not think that Jesus is a liar. I don't think that he tells us things that are undoable. Uh, I think that in our lives, when we trust him, we grow in the depth of our faith because he is so good. Jesus is alive and present. He is active and does intend for us to have joy.
And the Father really does love us as His children in spite of our sin. His desire is for you and I to have peace, even though in this world there can be trouble. Because in Christ there is peace, a resting and abiding peace. He is faithful. Now, as God's people, we should be people that testify to this. I can sit here and tell you about this and get all choked up about it, uh, but also tell you that he is faithful and that he is actually very good. And so we are people who tell the story of what he has done, the big story of Jesus, his death and his resurrection. And we also tell the story of how that has impacted our lives and flooded through ourselves as well. It's not that just God loves people. It's that God loves me. God loves me. He offers joy and peace and life in Christ. And we tell the story and brag about Jesus in Christ. It is beautiful. We speak of how God answers our prayers, not always in the way that we think, but in the ways that he knows they should be answered. And the ways he went through to reach you and I, that we are secure in his hand. And then we intercede and we pray for each other. And out of that, this love and grace flows to the world around us. Many people may not understand all the theological distinctions that are out there, but people get that person prayed to Jesus and their life changed. People can get that. You know, that they can know joy even in the midst of trouble and that there is something undeniable about how the Father works in the lives of His children. And this is what I want to leave you with. First is this. If you have never gone through the grief process, you know, maybe you are failing to live the life God has called you to because you've never gone through the grief process. You've never sat down and had grief over your sin and what you have done. And maybe you need to. The second thing is sometimes I think we fail because uh, we fail to live the life God calls us to because we get stuck in our own grief and we do not move forward. We obsess about our sin. There is a season for grief, but we must move to joy and peace and love. Getting stuck in grief means we become self-centered. And then sometimes we fail to live because we have walked through the process of grief to join hope and love, and yet we remain silent. We don't say anything about it and what God is doing, that we have found this hope and peace. We're silent. No one knows around us what God is doing because we don't say anything. And people should know what God is doing in us. God is wonderful to us, very wonderful. But we are prone to pride, and we don't want those around us to think we're crazy, you know, or Jesus freaks or religious. But Paul says we will seem foolish most of the time. We actually believe that 2,000 years ago, Jesus' life and death and resurrection has everything to do with today. We actually believe that, that God cares and that joint peace are actually possible, that we are fools for Christ. Some people will never get that because they're addicted to trouble and they need to move past the trouble to joy. If you are not a believer this morning, if you don't believe in Christ, I encourage you, I beg you, as much as I can, to bring your life back to Jesus and trust his promises for joy and peace and hope. If you are not a Christian, that is the best thing I could ever tell you in your life. If you are a believer, for the rest of you, get in the habit of talking about God. That's what you need to do. You know, pray to God, celebrate the things he's doing so the rest of us can learn how to be encouraged by that. And this is why we come to communion every single week, because it's grief to joy. You know, we we take communion and we reminds us as you break that cracker that Jesus' body was broken for you and I. You dip it in the wine or the grape juice and it reminds us of his blood that was shed for you and I. And that should bring some grief. But it should also bring some joy because here in this place is how he restored us to be who God calls us to be. We're going to worship God through communion this morning. We're going to worship God through prayer. And if you are maybe somebody who is stuck in your grief or have never gone through grief, pray with one of the deacons or elders. They'll they'll be on the sides in in the back of the room. And pray with them. 
They would love to talk to you about it. If, if you've never met Jesus and maybe you want to know more about him, talk to them. They would love to talk to you about who Jesus is. He brings hope. God is good. Now, the band's going to come back up. They're going to do a couple songs. And as they do, like I said, you can take communion and pray. And as you sit in your seat, you know, ask God you know, places where you should walk through grief, where you are stuck here but haven't moved to joy, and then where you're supposed to live that out so people actually see that. Um, so we're going to do some songs as I do that. Uh, we also are going to worship God through giving. There's offering boxes on the side wall and in the very back, and we simply give because God gave to you and I so much, so much. And then worship God through fellowship. You guys get to hang out with each other. Uh, there's, there's some, I guess, pretty good donuts in the back. You know, so you guys can have some donuts. There's like a little fruit box. You can have some fruit. Apparently, you're supposed to eat fruit. It's good for you. <laughs> So it has fellowship, hang out with each other. And then next week, you know, come to the 4th of July barbecue party and hang out and get to know some other people. Fellowship. Because only by fellowship with other people are people going to see the joy that you celebrate in Christ. The understanding of what he has done for you and I. It's a wonderful thing. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I do ask that we as a people would understand your grace and your peace and your love and your joy. And that we would be those who begin to live that out practically for you are good and God though there are many times that we don't understand exactly what you are doing you are still faithful and so for us this morning help us to have a little bit of grief over our sin how we've contributed to the destruction of this world by our own actions by thinking that we ourselves are greater than you but then I ask you would take us from that grief to joy and that we would have much joy and laughter and hope because of what you have given to us. And then God, I ask that we be people who show that in our lives, that our lives, our actions speaks the words of your grace. That our lives speak the actions of your love. And that every person we come into contact with knows who you are by the grace and the love that you live through your children. We thank you for being willing to die for humanity and then rising to restore us to you. Amen.